Welcome to the Holistic Health Podcast, beautiful humans. If a professional, polished, well-edited podcast is what you're after, then move right on. If, however, you love unfiltered banter, unedited bloopers, authentic heart sharing, and a very generous dash of holistic health education, then you're in the right place. Let's dive in, shall we? here. Normally it's Nat saying g'day. <laughs> and you've always wanted to say this is Natalie Douglas. So here's your chance. This is Natalie Douglas. <laughs> oh, she has has allowed me to, to take the steering wheel to open the show, folks. So <laughs> forgive me if I bunny hop my way through this. But um, as you probably know, if, you're, if you've been around even for just a little while, the subject of toxic mold and its impact on health is a subject very dear to my heart. And so too is mold-induced miscarriage. And although we have done an episode on how mold affects hormones, which was episode 52, by the way, if you want to go back and listen to that, we've never really tackled the effect of toxic mold on miscarriage directly before in in such a deep way. And we wanted to touch on that just because, you know, falling pregnant and having a healthy baby, there's so many moving parts that come into that. And many of them are known. And then some of them kind of hide in the shadows as a as an invisible influence. And we wanted to shine a light on that today. If you are in the season of trying to conceive Or if you are in the season of trying to conceive and have experienced loss, first of all, our hearts go out to you. And also we would encourage you to listen just to see whether or not this might be something you want to consider in your journey to having a healthy baby. And if you looked at the title of the episode and thought, I don't know if this is, is relevant to me because you know, we don't have mold in our house. I want to just grab you now before you (laughs) click out of this episode, because it's a huge misconception amongst just about everyone that if you have a mold problem at home, you'll see it. Now, I totally understand that we, if you've ever seen visible mold, you will know it can appear as a dirty, great big patch of yuckiness on a ceiling or on a wall or in a carpet or, you know, growing on personal effects, furniture, clothes. And it's very, it's fair for you to assume that if you can't see mold, that you don't have a mold issue. The trouble with that is mold, first of all, is microscopic. And so you can only see visible patches of mold once there's a really significant amount of growth. And that's assuming that the growth is actually on a surface that's visible to your eyes. So very often it's inside, you know, ceiling cavities, inside wall cavities, under carpet and hidden in ways that just are not obvious if you don't know what to look for. So To start off this episode, I thought we'd cover off just how to identify whether there is actually a potential mold issue in your home. And Nat, having, you know, not so long ago been on the house hunt, I know it's fresh in your mind as to what you were looking for when you were searching for your for your family home. So do you want to share with our beautiful listeners what other signs there are other than actual mold itself that might be a bit of a clue or a red flag? Mm, I was an absolute investigator extraordinaire at those house inspections. I probably looked like the biggest uh, 
interesting human carrying my moisture meter and <laughs> looking in absolutely everywhere, but you got to do what you've got to do. Um, okay. So some of the most common ones would be look, looking and, and for any kind of bubbling paint or peeling paint, or if you're seeing any discoloration on the walls or ceiling. So it's a really good idea whether you're renting or buying um, or in the process of that to go around and do a really good inspection of all the different walls and ceilings inside, um, you know, cupboards as well to see if there's anything there. I remember actually discovering a few things inside cupboards when I was doing house inspections. Mm. Um, the other thing is is using your nose. So any musty kind of smells or odors is a sh- like an absolute red flag that it's even gotten to the point where you can now smell it. Um, and most people know it when they do smell it in in terms of um, what we mean by a musty kind of smell, you you will know um, unless you have a terrible sense of smell, in which case take someone else with you that has a good <laughs> sense of smell. Um, also, if you notice, and I guess this is more relevant to if you're entering into a, a new home, whether it be your own or um, a rental where you are looking for signs would be anywhere people have like patched up carpet. Sometimes mm-hmm. that can be a hint that there's been, um, I mean, sometimes it's just someone's been clumsy and, and spilt, I don't know, makeup on the floor, but sometimes it's that there's actually been um, water damage to that area. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think it's really like, if you wanted to go the extra step, you can also get a moisture meter from from Bunnings or somewhere similar and um, measure the the moisture um, content in the walls, but it's it's a bit of a, I guess, you know, not everyone's going to do that. Also, maybe not everyone has the skills to do that, mm-hmm. but it's something that you could consider doing. The other thing I would say is, you know, on that note, it's actually, like I would really highly recommend that people do actually listen to your free webinar that you created, which was the nine signs of mold in your home, because no matter who you are at some point in time, it's likely that, you know, you're going to have to deal with mold or deal with avoiding it. Mm -hmm. And I really think it's so much better to be proactive in this in terms of knowing what to look out for so that you can kind of just get on top of it quickly or avoid entering into a situation where you now are stuck or locked into a moldy home or a moldy, you know, environment because crawling your way back is so much harder than avoiding the situation in the first place. And, you know, you just, you don't know what you don't know, basically. Mm. Um, so I guess moving on from, from that, what, you know, what, what would you say or, or how could you explain the connection between, you know, mold and miscarriage? Like how does mold contribute to or, or cause miscarriage in your experience? Mm, there's actually so many ways and I and this is not going to be an exhaustive list at all because I think ultimately, you know, if I was to go through everything with you, it, it's not helpful in the sense that you've still got to identify if your home's microbiome is good and if it's not, you need to figure out how to do that and also fix up your body. But I think it's also helpful to understand the way in which that this can happen to a degree because I think it helps you appreciate why you need to take action. And 
I share this thinking of, you know, I've had clients in the past who perhaps when, you know, we've uncovered that there's water damage or they're living in or working in a sick building, it can take a little while to for the penny to really drop and have them go, oh, I actually do have to get out of this. It's actually really dangerous. And the way I like to describe it is mycotoxins are mold-made poisons. So you wouldn't sit around or stick around in an office or a home that had spill, you know, there was an arsenic spill or a cyanide leak or anything of that nature. We have to really put in that same category the toxins that mold produces. In fact, they are so dangerous that some of them are used in biological warfare. That's how devastating they are on human health. But when we look at specifically how mold and mold toxins can trigger miscarriage, it's kind of a handful of, of sort of, I guess, overarching ways. So number one, mycotoxins can really dysregulate hormones via triggering inflammation. Now we talked a bit about this in episode 52, but anything that increases inflammation upregulates aromatase. This increases your estrogen levels or can overwhelm your estrogen metabolizing pathways, creating issues there. And the issues with increased estrogen or delayed estrogen elimination is that you can end up reaching the estrogen peak in the follicular phase too soon, which can then trigger ovulation prior to day 14. And anything prior to day 12, the egg, to put it really crassly, is undercooked. It's not fully developed yet. And so if that egg was to be fertilized, the risk of birth defects and miscarriage goes up, even independently of everything else that mycotoxins can do. We also know that inflammation and toxicity triggers the ner a nervous system response into fight or flight. This can obviously affect the hypothalamic pituitary ovarian axis, downregulating things like gonadotrophin releasing hormone and therefore follicle development as well. Um, we also know through the extreme amounts of inflammatory biomarkers that are triggered by mycotoxins, particularly in those who are genetically susceptible, contribute to autoimmune disease, including immune-mediated miscarriage. Um, but beyond that, um, there are some inflammatory markers that get triggered in mold, um, including C4A. And also we see a drop in something called VEGF or vascular endothelial growth factor. Now, the combination of those two things causes widespread damage amongst the very small blood vessels in our body called capillaries. And this actually chokes off the circulation to um, the, I guess, the, the delivery of the oxygen to those tissues via capillaries. Now, how we see that present outside of, you know, pregnancy is Raynaud's disease, you know, cold hands and feet, propensity for chillblains, brain fog, shortness of breath. Um, but when it comes to pregnancy specifically, we know that women with multiple miscarriages often have higher C3 and C4 levels. We also know that um, for women with recurrent pregnancy loss, they often have low serum VEGF levels as well. And low VEGF levels are contributors to that 
so-called unexplained recurrent pregnancy loss. Now, these things are all able to be addressed, but it, of course, starts with identifying what's triggered them and, and often it's mold. Now, we did touch on in episode 52 on specifically um, xenoestrogenic mycotoxins, but if you haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, let me share it with you now that there is a specific class of mold called fusarium species. They typically grow on wood and plywood, so wood framing and things like that. And they produce a lot of different mycotoxins, including trichothecenes, which are very poisonous. But specifically, I'm going to talk about Zierra linone, which is a highly mycoestrogenic compound that in animals we know is associated with decreased fertility, abnormal menstrual cycles, um, vaginitis, um, inflammation of the vulva. It affects um, milk production and breast tissue. It's linked to human breast cancer, prostate, ovarian, and cervical cancer, but also with um, low birth weight in infants and premature birth and stillbirth. So there's, a, there's this misconception that the placenta is a powerful filter for the fetus. And I think what we are, have been learning in the last 10, 15 years is just how much actually gets across the placenta to the unborn child as well. Now, we know um, that ergot alkaloids produced by mold can induce miscarriage and premature labor, but we also know that aflatoxins, um, fumonisins and deoxy Nivalenol also crosses the placenta and can affect the fetus during critical periods of growth and development. And as a result, um, also um, aspergillus mycotoxins, aflatoxin also impairs fetal growth um, and neonatal jaundice, preterm birth and perinatal death. So, you know, there's a lot going on in terms of poisoning the mother's body, but it's also impacting the child's development. And also sometimes premature labor is triggered because of the poisons that are coming through the placenta, you know, and that's outside of the other impacts of mycotoxins, which we know generally add to toxin overload, um, damage the gut, causing nutrient deficiencies and other things. So it is no small variable in someone's journey and becoming a parent and the health of their child, um, you know, once they're born as well, the health of the whole family, really. And so understanding whether or not this is impacting you is really important. Now, Nat already gave some really great points before about what to look out for in the home, but there are also some health issues that we know are commonly triggered by mold or influenced by mold. So, Nat, would you like to share with our listeners some of those things that you also commonly see are being, you know, influenced or driven by mold? Yeah, absolutely. And and before I do, I will also say that there can be other conditions that are causing or contributing to some of the issues that I'm about to mention. So, it's mm. not that every single person with these issues has a mold problem, but it's something to consider. I, I think that's that's one thing that is important if you're feeling overwhelmed is to have a practitioner support you in unpacking what is true and connected in your case and what is not. Because um, when we're starting to get into issues like, um, you know, mold illness or inflammation or thyroid issues, for example, or autoimmunity, 
a lot of the symptoms and how it shows up starts to overlap and it can feel like every single thing you read, you think you've got it. So I'm I'm prefacing what I'm about to say with that so that if you're like, oh my God, I feel so seen, you can add mold to your potential investigation list, but it does not mean that if you fit any of these categories, that's absolutely hands down being driven by mold. But a good place to start would also be just looking around your home and doing a bit of a health timeline and seeing, well, have mm-hmm. I been exposed to this in my awareness in the past, am I currently being exposed? Um, and then kind of move from there, probably, in my opinion, to work with a practitioner because it is is a tricky one. Anyway, rant over. So some of some examples would be if you have chronic fatigue or chronic fatigue syndrome, if you've got um fibromyalgia or like really chronic inflammation, even if you feel like you've just got constantly achy joints and muscles and if it's not necessarily been you know slapped with a label yet but you're just constantly feeling inflamed in that way that can be a bit of a a red flag also um any like chronic skin issues or allergy issues or chronic like post nasal drip is another one that I see a fair bit, um, autoimmunity. Um, so lots of different autoimmune conditions have been associated with mold. Um, and it makes sense because there's a lot of immune dysregulation and inflammation that happens in both autoimmunity and in mold illness. Um, and also actually, uh, you know, if you are affected by gluten, so, um, that obviously can be for many different reasons, but it's just another little thing to potentially add to, yeah, add to the list. Um, and I, yeah, I think it's just, just awareness is key. And also if it starts to step into the place of overwhelm, really would encourage you to, um, make sure that you get some help because there's nothing worse than feeling overwhelmed. Yeah, it is definitely one of those subjects that can feel very overwhelming. It's it's not something that, you know, an everyday person would necessarily understand. And and a lot of practitioners, allopathic and naturopathic also aren't trained in this area, so don't beat yourself up for maybe not understanding it or knowing about it because that was me before I got sick with mold, but certainly there are enough health professionals out there now that are trained in mold who can really support you to either do an assessment on your home or an assessment on your body or a bit of both. But certainly when it comes to preparing for a healthy pregnancy and a healthy baby, um, part of that would be making sure that the home that you're living in and that you're going to be raising that child and you're going to be pregnant in is as healthy as possible. Um, And so I would definitely encourage you if you are planning ahead to have a baby this year or in the next couple of years to explore that. Um, and also I'd encourage you to check out Nat's preconception guide as well, which is going to help walk you through all of those other elements of getting ready to have a baby. Um, but just a little reminder, if you are interested in learning what the other signs of mold might be in your home, there is that link in the uh, in the show notes to view that webinar of the nine subtle signs your home has a mold problem. And also the ebook is also free. So is mold making can you sick? And if you do have questions about that, please just reach out to me um, on Instagram. I'd be glad to come back to you and help guide you in the right direction if you do think you might be affected by mold. Um, and certainly it's 
It's not something you want to ignore. And if you do know you have a mold problem or you've had a water leak that maybe wasn't addressed um, and remediated, then that's definitely a good place to start when it comes to having a healthy pregnancy. Mm, yeah, I love it. That I think, yeah, there's so, so many great resources out there. So you're just, yeah, go to the ones that are informative um, and hopefully not too overwhelming. <laughs> but let's let's actually, I'd love for you to share a little bit more around what you consider to be, I guess, you know, the four overarching steps that you would encourage people to take to actually address mold-induced miscarriage? Yeah. So I guess we've kind of touched on them a little bit. So the first one is you've absolutely got to identify the source of the mycotoxin exposure. Um, and we just sort of refer to that as the environment. And that could be your home. It could be your workplace. Um, in my case, it was both. Um, it could also be, I mean, I, I know a lot of public transport is also very moldy, although what I'll say about that is usually the exposure time is quite short. It's where you're spending most of your time that matters the most. Um, so addressing the environment, and that might look like remediation if you own it and that's a feasible option for you, or it might be a matter of getting out of that environment and finding a healthy one to either live or work from. Um, the second step would be to very gently and carefully detoxify the mycotoxins out of your system. Um, less is more when it comes to this step, because if you are dumping toxins out of your tissues too quickly, you can trigger further inflammation and cause damage. So this isn't something I would encourage you to do to, to DIY. I would definitely work with someone who's trained in this area. And then beyond that, if you actually have done the appropriate blood tests, you'll know which biomarkers are out. So for example, if your VEGF is low, which is likely, if your C4A is high, which is almost certainly if your MSH is low, like there are steps you can take to address all of those and calm the inflammation down. And then after those pieces have been done, sometimes there is still some hormonal imbalance to sort out. Um, and if that's the case, the fourth step would be the time to address those. But what I do find is if those first three are done well, often the hormones will actually fall back into place really beautifully. Um, if they don't, there's of course plenty of options for you to get your cycle looking um, in an ideal way to conceive. And the, the, the last thing I'll say about that too is sometimes nervous system work is really important here mm -hmm. as well. It's always important that I know you're, you're always mentioning it to your clients and you mention it on the podcast a lot. And it's often a, a hidden variable with healing where if you haven't taken the time to sort of reprogram and address your nervous system, your nervous system's state of activation can get in the way of healing. And of course, with hormones, you know, that has a direct relationship. So, you know, maybe that's even a fifth step if you need that too. But it's as simple and as straightforward as that. Although what I will say is the toughest step is often dealing with the environmental issues. So that's where a building biologist can come in to help you assess the property properly and give you a scope of works. And I might also mention that if you do need to move, I do have an online training that teaches you how to inspect a property. If you are looking to either find a rental, um, that's a specific type of training because that's a different environment than if you're looking to buy 
buy, if you are looking to buy, you've got a little bit more flexibility um, to run tests and and not kind of put the real estate agent off. (laughs) Um, But either way, if you have realized you've got a mold problem at home and you're renting, or maybe you feel like it's beyond you to remediate, um, then the next step would be actually finding a safe home to then settle in um, afterwards and addressing the contamination on your your furnishings as well. But look, it, it might sound really scary and sound really overwhelming. And if it's landed that way and it's making you feel a bit nervous about everything, I do apologize for that. My intention here is really just to bring this to your awareness and empower you to understand the signs so that there isn't potentially a hidden issue in the background getting in the way of your dreams of starting a family and helping you to understand that actually the steps to address this are quite straightforward in the end. Mm. Um, And if you can add that to your strategy for having a healthy family, you're going to really set yourself up for not only having a great pregnancy and healthy baby, but also actually keeping your children healthy once they arrive earthside as well. Mm, I love that. And yeah, we'll we'll pop the resources in the in the show notes and encourage you very much to take advantage of those. I think knowledge is power and being proactive over reactive is always a win. And yeah, of course we're here. If you've got any follow-up questions or you need us to do a little part two on anything, um, really happy to hear your feedback. Otherwise, go forth and conquer the mold and um, we hope you are going to tune in next week. See you then, guys. Bye.